you're listening to Rock Bottom Radio, broadcasting from deep in the turf net zone. Here's your host, Randy Wilson. Hello and welcome to Rock Bottom Radio, coming to you direct from the studios of Rock Bottom Country Club. Before we get started, I want to talk about our favorite sponsor of all time, Dryject. Dryject is a brilliant method for keeping your greens healthy, especially under this onslaught of play triggered by that virus. If you aren't comfortable taking my word for it, check with your fellow superintendents that have used Dryject. Also, we're issuing a special rock bottom warning. Brandy Chablis, the golf announcer who single-handedly made us yearn for the return of Johnny Miller, has announced he's going into golf course architecture. Somewhere out there is an unfortunate superintendent who will have to deal with this clueless individual. Wait, Brandy Chablis, ain't he the fellow who said we could solve the poor problem up in Oregon by converting to ultra-dwarf greens? That's him, and he said it on live TV. He apparently knows everything, because he once won a golf tournament. Yeah, that and five dollars will get you a cup of coffee. There's more. Brandy has been backing golf's steroid growth. You know, the long ball, the toaster-sized driver, the ever-expanding golf course and golfer, and... Ain't no way he actually believes that. He must be a troll, like you. No, trolls are pretty clever as a rule. This is the guy who twittered that he knew everything about putting surfaces because he putted on greens. Brandy Chablis is the best example of why folks ought not to tweet. Brandy, son, delete your Twitter account. That goes for the rest of you adults out there. Morning, ain't Femi. Hey, Lou Dale. Really? I think the FBI's out there spying on us. Oh, you mean those black SUVs? No, that's probably just those folks from Kansas trying to catch us saying something that they can use to cancel us. Well, they must not be trying too hard. I think I'll take them some coffee. Use real cream this time instead of that Ipecac. Hey, look what this Twitter cupcake just said about us. Whoop. Can't say cupcake. You can say testosterone challenged or... Really? Hurry up and finish that radio show. I'm taking the crew to Miss Tater's all-you-can-eat cafeteria for lunch. Y'all go without me. Peter McCormick is waiting on this radio show. Peter who? You know, the Turfnet Commander-in-Chief. Ooh, he's a handsome rascal. What was that? Magnum P.I. mustache and all. Pimey, he shaved off that mustache years ago. Yeah, wives will do that to keep other women from eyeballing their men. Mom, I don't think that new guy's going to work out. What's wrong with him? I told him to go fix that hole in the south fence, and next thing I know, he's on the sand pro, raking 18 fairway. Where'd this guy come from, anyway? Said he was in government for 50 years. I feel kind of sorry for him. He's pitiful. He does look like he's been rode hard and put up wet. Really, you one to talk. Ludell, go ask him what he's doing. Already tried. Every time I ask him a question, he runs away. He reminds me of somebody. We ought to fire him before he starts raking greens. Hey, y'all, we gotta do something about the new guy. He's completely full We was just talking about that. I tried to tell him I don't rake fairways, and he started hollering, Come on, man. Hey, look at that. Those folks in the black SUVs are grabbing the new guy and carrying him off. Cletus, what are you spraying? Paraquat. That kudzu done GMO'd with the bamboo, and it's taking over 14T. Fine, but you have to wear protection. I am protected. I got my mask on. No, you need full protective gear to spray that stuff. 
the suit, the gloves, the booties, and a full-face respirator. Now, all you need is this little piece of cloth. I've seen it on TV. They're talking about viruses, you moron. Now, hold on. Now, you know that expensive water filter you towed around in your backpack? Yeah. You yourself told me it's the best water filter made, and it's worth all that money because it's the only one that filters out viruses. Since they're the hardest thing to filter out. Well, yeah, but... Look, you have to wear real filters and eye protection and... Ain't viruses smaller than spray droplets? Yes, but... And didn't the CPC say all I need is this face thong? Oh, all right. Go on and spray. I'll give up. I heard the military switching away from them expensive chemical warfare suits just wearing these masks. Makes sense. Them nerve gas droplets is bigger than anything we spray. Tell you what, Cletus... Ludell's been in the restroom for an hour because he ate some more of that fermented herring last night. You put on your little rag mask and you go in the restroom and if you can stay five minutes, you can have the weekend off. All right. Hey, get out of here. Man needs privacy. Mama called the 911. Cletus may have killed himself. Yes, I'd like to play 18. Hush, Poopsie, and I need a cock. I'm afraid I can't oblige you, misters. Mama don't allow dogs no more. That's preposterous. Poopsie has been on some of the finest golf courses around, and you're suggesting she can't accompany me on this dog track? Sorry, Poopsie, I didn't mean that. I ain't suggesting nothing. I'm telling you Mama don't allow dogs on the course, especially after what happened last month. Poopsie is an emotional support animal. The law makes special provision for emotional support animals, so stop wasting time and get us a cot. Oh, and we need a thick blanket so Poopsie can ride with me. Well, she's gonna ride. Poopy there'll have to pay a green fee. I hope you don't think that dog or big rat or whatever it is will be cavorting around on my golf course. This ain't Scotland. Madam, either capitulate immediately or I will sue this golf course for speciesism. You know, I'm not sure what you just said, but I'm about to capitulate you right upside your head. Now hit the road there, Lord Fauntleroy. This is egregious. I thought you said her name was Poopsie. What about all those hounds lying around outside? They ain't erosional sport animals. They's working hounds. See, Betsy there, the old red bone, she's a guard dog. And that pit bull, that's Hillary. She's real good at- Just tell me this. What happened last month that resulted in dogs being banned from this golf course? A member's dog got drowned by a goose. Now get out. Them geese been acting strange ever since that UFO landed on 15. You know, I don't think them little gray folks are doing research on us at all. I think it's just a bunch of intergalactic sex fiends. Did you see where the Pentagon is finally admitting they out there? Been trying to tell them that for decades. Just think of the thousands of night water men that wouldn't have vanished if them government types would have just warned us. All right, I got the carts out for the tournament. Hey, y'all left the radio show running. How many times I gotta tell you, do not leave the mic and the transmitter on. Oh, don't worry, we didn't say nothing weird. Don't nobody listen to your old radio show except Aunt Femi. She thinks it's one of her stories. Hey, Mama. How'd it go at the mandatory humane resources seminar? Well, I learned the legal way to give a performance appraisal. How to fire folks without getting sued or canceled, and how to make your unnecessary worthless job appear so complex and essential that you can't be fired. I guess them HR folks would know how to do that. Okay, it's time for performance appraisals. 
Let's do yours first. Okay, first thing is you can't use adjectives. You can't say nothing offensive and you got to use proper pronouns. You probably can't do it. I can too. What's your pronouns? Royal Majesty, his own self. More like Royal Doofus. See, right there, you already failed. I am offended. When did getting offended become such a big deal? You forgot to use my pronoun. Oh, okay. Well, first off, you doofusness. You hardly ever show up on time, and your work is awful. Uh-uh, can't say that. Awful is an adjective. No, it's a fact. You can only say good plus good or double plus good. Also, you ain't never given me clear written instructions that I signed. And I don't even know what my job is because you ain't delineated me. Your job is to water the fairways and the greens at night when the course is dry. You understand that? You'll have to write it down and after I sign it, file three copies and four I forget. You can't give me a performance appraisal unless there's a witness present. Okay, Hillary, witness to Liddell. Rock Bottom Country Club. Hello, this is Jelsic Muldoon. Are y'all hiring right now? You got any golf experience? Yep. Ten years at Dungeon Hall, a year at High and Mighty Country Club, and the last two at Farnsworth Work Camp. What'd you do over there at Dungeon Hall? Well, everything. Mostly mow stuff, change cups. I quit in the middle of the big renovation. Because you know what happens during a renovation? Everybody goes nuts. Uh-huh. And why'd you leave Farnsworth Work Camp? Got fired. As soon as I got there, they announced a big renovation. And pretty soon, we was working dawn to dusk, seven days a week. And after about two years of us slaving out there, moving irrigation lines, sodding and resodding, all while the assistant and the super sat in their air conditioning. Well, we got a little touchy. And I may have said something. Like what? Well, we'd been laying pipe all weekend, and that assistant finally showed up Sunday night and told us we need to come in early Monday morning. And I said, you know there's a mutiny coming. And they fired you for that? No, but Monday night when the super showed up, he said I was insubordinated. And there I was. I was all covered in mud and wet and miserable, and there he was, all shiny and clean and dry, and playing video games on his computer. Did he fire you for insubordination? No. I got fired for hacking his computer. So you're an IT specialist? No. I didn't have one of them either. I just used axe. Willie, who's on the phone? A fella named Jelsick Muldoon. Says he wants a job. Well, tell him, come on. He better not hack my computer. Hey, y'all hush now. I'm trying to watch the replay of the TPC at Ponte Vedra. I watched that. You know they stripe that rough with them tiny little walk mowers? Took 153 people. Uh, is that what that was? Stripe it rough? I thought I was having a flashback to 1968. I can still taste that purple face. Boof, it's, it's purple. Never mind. I just think it's amazing what the TV folks will ask for. I remember one time when the PGA folks told us to take out all the sand out the bunkers, except for three inches. Then we had to apply a wetting agent to that and compact it with the bunker rake tires, and then we could only rake the top half inch with a feather. I don't believe a word of it. Why'd they want all that? So the ball wouldn't crater. 
They want the ball just to roll down to the flat part of the bunker. Makes it easy for them, and them players don't whine to the cameras. You know, superintendent's got bills to pay. Yeah, the bunkers really shouldn't be hazardous. Must be why them PGA folks hate grass bunkers. Ball don't roll down to the bottom. I remember one time when the super loaded us all up in a dump truck with a bunch of fly mows, them steel-bladed ones, and we had to fly mow the roof. Took two days and Avon Do-Right's big toe. Was that when you worked at High and Mighty Country Club? Yeah. The members wanted the roof to stand up erect like a shag carpet that just been vacuumized with bagra. Was that around the end of April? Yeah, how'd you know? Just a guess. That ain't nothing. I heard about Super had so many folks on the crew for a big tournament, he took the mowing fairways with walking greens mowers. That's how you get in the Hall of Fame. Las Vegas showgirl. What did you say? I thought it was a trickle-down effect. Sooner or later, all that stuff on TV trickles down to us ordinary folks. That's true. Whatever clubs the pros are playing, well, that's what the hackers want. I don't like it when stuff trickles down. That's why I wear this. Race cars trickle all the way down. Hank Femi bought a minivan just because some stock car driver said it had proven race technology in it. Well, I remember when you bought an Italian bicycle because Eddie Merckx rode one. My wife bought spandex drawers because them Kardashians wear them. I like them. I can walk nine holes in them and I feel so sexy. See, the TV conditions us to think that we want the Las Vegas showgirl all painted up and surgically altered and slathered in Bondo when what we really want is the girl next door. Because you can bring her home to meet your mother. And the girl next door won't leave us just because we hit an economic speed bump. But that Las Vegas showgirl... She'll bolt at the first sign of greener pastures. Them showgirls wouldn't even fit in our front door. What them giant feather hats they were? I think it's story time. Willie, tell us. I want to hear the story about Uncle Verge getting hornswoggled by Lily, his Las Vegas showgirl wife. I think the story of Norm and the U.S. Open would fit better here. I'd rather hear about Uncle Verge and Lily. Look, Lily was a retired showgirl. Couldn't cook her way out of a wet paper bag. But she convinced Virgil she was a great cook. And he married her. How'd she trick Virgil? Every day she asked him for $20. Then she went to Granny's kitchen, bought a bunch of vegetables, cornbread and fried chicken, put it on plates and acted like she'd been slaving all day over a hot stove. And Virgil fell for it? Yeah, he did. At least until he figured out that $20 a day was about $600 a month. There was an awful fight. And the police showed up. Didn't they take Virgil away for domestic fighting? When the police got there... Lily was on top and winning, so they took her away. Verge was real upset, because he said they called the fight too early. You know, most fights are fixed. Okay, it's story time. Once upon a time, back during the U.S. Open of 1976, my dad, Norm, ran headfirst into the great trickle-down phenomenon. This happened ten years before we discovered the existence of the Augusta Syndrome, and I saw the trickle-down with my very own eyes. It started in 73 when Dad took over a big muni near Atlanta. It was a very good design on excellent land, but it was in terrible shape. We worked long hours for two years using all sorts of unconventional methods, mostly because Dad had no budget. The municipality gave all the revenue to the golf pro. Anyway, Dad did stuff like sprig the dead greens with fairway grass he obtained by running a sweeper set too low, and he harvested sprigs from the fairways where the turf had kind of miniaturized on its own. Early GMO, I think. Anyway, he hydrosprigged the dead spots in the fairways, which there was a lot of red clay hardpan where you couldn't even grow a rock. 
Then he widened the whole golf course by bringing in a thousand dump truck loads of dirt, turning us loose with chainsaws, and soon we were mowing fairways where once only trees and pine straw had existed. By 1975, Dad had landed the course on a Golf Digest Best 50 list, and they still use that in their advertising today. But play got so heavy that we couldn't get out on our own course. Even after dinner, it was the Muni in town to play. Then something unexpected happened. In 76, the U.S. Open came to town out at the Atlanta Athletic Club, and one of our local players qualified. This meant that all our locals had to trek up to the north side of town to see how our local hero would do against the legends of golf. Uh, not that well, actually. In fact, he kind of embarrassed us. Not only for getting arrested for driving while blind, he managed to insult Big Jack during a practice round, and generally reinforcing the southern stereotypes that Hollywood loves to spread to the rest of the country. This was many years before the internet, when it became common knowledge that the entire rest of the country was just like the South. Except for... New York and the left coast and who cares what goes on out there in bizarro world. Now as it happens, when everybody went up to North Atlanta to see our club champion, they saw something else entirely. They saw U.S. open conditions and they were dumbstruck. Perhaps that's the wrong word as most of them live their lives in that state every day. Let's say they were awestruck. The entire contingent returned home and began to harass Dad with questions and demands and other such idiocy along the lines of why can't we do that? We all know that phrase now, especially in late April, but back then, well, we had never heard it before. I was busy building a golf course across town and was hearing a lot of this secondhand, but Dad was livid. He had worked so many hours rebuilding the course, making it play fun and friendly, keeping the budget down, but now, now the local golfers had seen the slick greens, deep rough surrounding narrow fairways only 25 yards wide thick steel wool rough four inches deep right beside the collars and now that's what they wanted. I've often compared this golfer tendency to someone who just took up boxing and demanded a couple of rounds with Mike Tyson. Less than 30 seconds into the first round they've swallowed a couple of molars, have brain damage, one eye is pointing backwards and both ears are missing. That's what it's like for really good golfers on US Open conditions. For hackers it's just stupid. But they wanted what they'd seen up there in Duluth, Georgia and and on TV for several days. And they were determined to have it on their golf course. Dad wouldn't do it. So the Muni hackers besieged the various county commissioners and screeched like protesters in Portland to have their rightful U.S. Open look. Like typical brave government officials, the commissioners ordered Dad to comply and by late August a fearsome replica of a U.S. Open golf course inflicted itself upon the locals. Dad was praised by a few, but hated by the masses. You know, the folks who had paid their green fees expecting to have a fun round of golf. Everyone was hacking around the course. They hacked out of the rough. They stood paralyzed on the tee, knowing the slightest mistake meant machete golf. And the natural reaction was to try and steer the ball down the hallway of turf, which always makes things worse. That's how tee yips show up. Golfers sculled the ball over the greens back and forth like some kind of demonic ping pong unable to navigate the jungle grass. Profanity increased, if you can believe that would happen on the golf course. Even Southern Baptist preachers took Hogan's name in vain. Play went down and players went elsewhere. Even the vocal local golf experts who had demanded these conditions went to play other courses, and in late September, when Dad usually let the Bermuda grow up to survive the winter, the commissioners, the deputy director, and the golf pro ordered Dad to mow it all down. They accused him of negligence. You know, making the course too hard and allowing the grass to get too deep. 
So Dad had to mow the Bermuda during the exact time of year when he ordinarily let the turf puff up a little to endure the trials of wintertime. And along came the winter of 77, the fiercest winter since the 40s. All of the grass that Dad had hydrosprig died under a cover of ice as the temps hovered below 17 degrees for days and days. When spring finally came, Dad knew what he faced. He could resprig the greens immediately or try and keep the overseed. I think it was Pinfine Rife, I recall. Anyway, he tried to keep the overseed alive deep into the summer. This is well before we learned about how to keep cool season grass alive in Atlanta. Dad faced another couple years of intense work to bring back all the dead Bermuda, dead greens, exploded irrigation pipes, and several pieces of equipment that hadn't survived the cold. And most of this was just because a few golf varlets, oafs, and knaves saw unattainable course conditions to be within their grimy reach. I suppose you're waiting for the moral of this story. Well, here it is. Are we saying that the bar was raised too high? No, not for a major tournament known to be the toughest test of golf. I went up there and saw Atlanta Athletic for myself. It was amazing. The greens were very, very fast for Bermuda. The fairways looked exceptional and the tees were perfect. It was incredible. Although by modern standards, it'd be downright minimalistic. What we are saying is this. Romanticizing that TV look, justifying it for reasons of pride or one's resume, will eventually lead to the buffoonery in charge at your club seeing those conditions as normal. This in turn will raise the bar so high that it'll eventually drop upon our collective heads. If we keep worshipping at the altar of TV golf, we need to make it clear to our golfers that the conditions they have come to demand are not realistic, are unsustainable in real life, and cost a truckload of money. Like a Vegas showgirl. This recent period of grace that golf has enjoyed could very well go away and leave us back in 2014. Remember that when the New York Times and the Atlantic both pronounced golf dead? And then what? Do we rely once again on the guidance of the money people, the hedge fund gamblers, and the real estate developers to determine our strategy? Because you know we don't have the same goals. I would suggest we spend more time educating our players about the realistic side of things and less time hugging each other in golf's version of a Mary Kay pep rally celebrating the weekly agronomic TV fairy tale. There's a pattern here, and patterns are rarely linear. Things cycle up and down. Let's not get overconfident like those years leading up to 2008 when everything tried to vanish in a cloud of shiny, glittery dust. It doesn't matter what you're doing as long as you're grounded in reality and have a contingency plan, or maybe three contingency plans, because things don't stay the same. You've been listening to Rock Bottom Radio, broadcasting from deep in the turf net zone. Subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher for future episodes. 